Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, I'm listed there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. You can like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. We're about two weeks from Philly Sketch Fest and tickets for the live shows are now on sale, including a full weekend pass. Go to myfirstsketch.com slash tickets to buy your tickets. If you want to go to the Sketch Comedy Film Festival, and I think you should, head to myfirstsketch.com slash filmfest. Also at Philly Sketch Fest, we're hosting a podcast mixer on Saturday, June 1st at 2 p.m. We're going to head to Tattooed Moms on South Street, 530 South Street. We'll grab some food, we'll grab some drinks, and have two live podcast tapings a live My First Sketch, and Bad Medicine's coming up from Washington, D.C. to perform that night, and they will host a live episode of Sketch Nerds. So come hang out before the shows at night, and let's have a little extra fun. Today on the podcast, our guest is Casey Kennedy, currently a member of Kamikaze, based in Norfolk, Virginia. Kamikaze is coming to Philly Sketch Fest on Thursday, May 30th, in the 8.30 block, along with Thought Bubble, which is my one-person showcase, and Jack O'Keefe's Acting Real Live. Casey's first sketch is called Truth or Dare. Casey reads the role of Jeff, and I read the role of Mark, and I'll give you whatever visual information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Lights up to the inside of a house. A group of college kids are sitting in a circle playing truth or dare. All right, everyone. You know the name of the game. Truth or dare. But if we're going to do it, we got to agree to do the dare no matter what. Jeff's right. If we're going to do it, we got to follow through. Is everybody in? Everybody nods their heads. All right, then. Jeff, my man, why don't you start us off? Okay, Mark. Truth or dare. Well, I'm not a pussy or anything, so I guess I'm going to go with dare. I dare you to tell me your birthday. What? Tell me your birthday. There's a chorus of laughs and grumbling. That's a lame fucking dare, dude. You're a lame fucking dare, dude. Just tell me your birthday. Uh, okay. Uh, it's March 31st. What year? 94. Jeff's writing on a piece of paper. Okay, thanks, dude. Okay, uh, Stacy, truth or dare? Uh, dare? I dare you to kiss Katie. Oh my god, I can't do that. We said no matter what. Jeff's right, we said no matter what. Uh, okay. Stacy and Katie kiss. The dudes break out into cheers and high fives when suddenly Jeff cuts in. Mark, truth or dare? Uh, truth? Tell me your mother's maiden name. What? 
Tell me your mother's maiden name. That's a weird question, bro. Fuck you. Just tell me your mother's maiden name. Uh, okay. It's, uh, Jackson. Okay. Is that Jackson with one end at the end? Yeah. Just what? Are you writing this down, bro? Don't worry about it, man. Katie, truth or dare? Dare. I dare you to flash us your boobs. She flashes them all, and while they're whooping and high-fiving, Jeff cuts in again. Mark, truth or dare? Dude, why are you picking me again? I thought you said you weren't a pussy. I mean, I'm, I'm not. It's just, you know, weird. Okay, so truth or dare? Uh, dare? I dare you to write down your social security number on a piece of paper and hand it to me. Dude, I'm not going to write down my social and give it to you, bro. What are you talking about? We said we would do the dare no matter what. He's right. We said no matter what. But he wants me to write down my social. No matter what. Well, okay. I mean, you know, I'm not a little bitch or anything, so I'll I'll do it. Jeez, I mean, what is this guy trying to, like, steal my identity or something? It's not your turn, Mark. It was it was just a joke, dude. Jeff hands him a paper with his date of birth, his mother's maiden name, and a spot for the social security number on it. What is this shit, dude? You can ask questions on your turn, Mark. Mark writes down his social security number. Okay, uh, Jeff, truth or dare? Jeff suddenly gets up and grabbing his stuff. I ain't got time for this bullshit. Hey, Casey. Hey, how's it going? All right. So uh, tell me about this sketch. Tell me about Truth or Dare. <laughs> so uh, Truth or Dare was one of the um, one of their first ideas that I ever had for a sketch. Uh, when we first formed Kamikaze, we, you know, we talked about doing comedy for a long time. So, you know, you kind of have a backlog of ideas. And that was one of the ones that had been around. Uh, it was inspired by uh, there was a sketch that someone did on a on a show. I, I, maybe it was like Whitest Kids You Know or something where they did uh, some kind of duck duck goose or and and that made me think about other childlike games that could be used for nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what gave me the idea for for Truth or Dare. Nice. Um, so when was this written? Uh, well, actually written probably early 2017. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, as I was searching around and looking for stuff, I, I see that there's a video of it out there on the internet. So it has been produced, <laughs> produced has been performed. Uh, was it ever a live sketch? No, actually it's funny you say that because doing this, agreeing to do this podcast, my wife and I were talking earlier today. Um, and we were talking, saying basically it could easily be translated to the stage. So it's something yeah, absolutely. we could, we're going to consider it because we have a, a show coming up at push comedy theater. So I think we're going to consider, um, trying to make a stage version out of it. Yeah. I think as long as you're, you know, blocking the flashport part, <laughs> like obviously she, like, you know, like, you know, there's all kinds of like stage magic that you can do too. Yeah you know, ensure that you're not being creeps and asking someone to do something they don't want to do or right. uncomfortable doing. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're really, uh, we're pretty vigilant about that, you know, try not to. Yeah. 
Uh, so, all right, um, let's start at the beginning. What, like, do you have an earliest memory of comedy? Oh, uh, I, I do actually. So, um, so the group was formed by myself, my wife, Alex, and my best friend, Austin. And so my earliest memory of comedy is with my friend, Austin. We've been best friends since we were little kids and we used to, uh, his parents, or maybe it was a friend of ours had, uh, like an old video recorder. So when we were probably, I don't know, 13 or 12 or something, we took this old video recorder and we recorded, I mean, I don't know, 20 little awful sketches, but I mean, they were terrible. Like most of them were just offensive because we were 12 and didn't know better. Like we had one that was a, a commercial for a cereal that was called anthrax. <laughs> things like that. What would that have been in like right around the time of like the anthrax squares and like the, yeah. Yeah. So this would have been, I guess 2003 or something. So right, right when that was like a huge thing. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, <laughs> Relevant. I, I even mean like as a fan of comedy, like what were you into? So, uh, the, uh, the thing that I think got me inspired to do comedy, the kind of comedy I was really into as a kid was, I really liked Chappelle's show a lot. It was a huge influence. Um, but then, uh, are you familiar with Derek comedy? I've seen a couple of their things. I've seen their movie, but I haven't seen a lot of their sketches. So, uh, I was a huge fan of Derek comedy as was Austin. How do you find Derek comedy though? Then? Oh God. Uh, I, it was probably one of their viral videos. Like the first one I remember is the keyboard kid video where it's the kid playing the keyboard and, like he starts talking about how his dad's going to beat him if he messes up. Okay. Uh, it's, and I don't know why that, that, uh, like that one was hilarious to me. And then we started tearing through all their videos. I mean, they had, and then they did the blowjob girl video. Then they did bro rape, which was huge. The spelling bee video. Um, so I, and that's the group that Donald Glover was in, which obviously now he's a mega star, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, but that was really what sort of inspired me to want to do sketch comedy. Yeah, and obvi- and famously recently, at least that uh, that blowjob girl video got a little extra heat a couple years ago when Ellie Kemper was like, "Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that," and yeah, I wouldn't do that now. Like that that might have been a bad idea. Yeah, well, a lot of their stuff. I mean, even watching a lot of it now, like the bro rape video you know it's a lot of it's really in bad taste but you know it was just a different type of comedy you know that was in 15 years ago i mean because ultimately what it is is it's making light of date rape um yeah which doesn't age well it's yeah it's young young people finding their voice and trying things yeah. and now that like with some time we're all going to be like oh yeah that might not have been the best uh use of anything <laughs> yeah um so like even with Derek comedy and well i guess i mean you're so you sound like you're you know with you know early 20s mid 20s yeah I'm so you've definitely grown up in this like era of youtube video and just like the whole internet viral thing which i didn't grow up in so it's like how old are you? i'm a little bit older than you are okay. so like was there like a shift for you where the internet became more of the video center than television? Uh, I don't, know. or was that just always the way? I don't know that that's the case because, 
Um, I mean, you see a lot of good sketch comedy on the internet, but there's a lot of like one hit wonder sort of sketches. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, not to be sketch snobby or anything like that, but, uh, you know, if you, if you really want to learn how to make consistently good sketch comedy, you have to watch the people who are putting out consistently good content. So I was really into, like I said, Chappelle show kind of into whitest kids, you know, a little bit, um, you know, uh, and even mad TV was, was big whenever I was a kid. So, I mean, you know, it was really more, I always was interested in seeing how many different characters they could come up with, you know, like the, the way they managed to fit in 30 distinctly different characters in one episode, you know? Yeah. I think, I think mad TV doesn't get the love that it might deserve. I, I, I agree. Looking back, there are some sketches that are, again, yeah, they're not going to work right now. Like looking back at Miss Swan, yeah. like that's, you know, at least fairly offensive. Yeah. Um, but like, and, but if you look at the cast of, of it and what's happening now, there's so many that came from mad TV oh, yeah. that just took an extra five, 10 years to become bigger stars. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, look at Key and Peele. I mean, Key and Peele are, I mean, to me, that probably around season three or four overtook Chappelle's show as probably my favorite sketch comedy show ever. Um, okay. So, I mean, I am a huge Key and Peele fan. The way that they managed to um, uh, poke fun at this topical political stuff while, you know, I mean, none of it feels condescending or snobby. You know, everything's very accessible. And I think that's really, really impressive. Yeah, I can see that. And like Keen Peel has a ton of great social commentary yep. to it and like winks and nods to culture. And like my brother who doesn't care about comedy posted something about the NFL draft this week and talking about like the teacher draft or the teacher free agent sketch that they did a couple years uh-huh. ago. Like I was like, why is my pastor brother? <laughs> bringing up key and peel right now (laughs) that's great i found it very odd uh so um i ask everybody and you didn't mention it very much but i'm I'm sure saturday night live had some kind of role at some point uh do you have a favorite cast member (laughs) i do but it gets me a lot of heat you know go for it i love it i am a huge jimmy fallon fan and i know a lot of people hate jimmy fallon um, you know, I don't think that he was necessarily the best on SNL, but he's my favorite cast member. Like I, I love watching his show. I think he's a very, very entertaining guy. You know, it's interesting. Cause I think you are like the first person I've talked to that has mentioned Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. I, I'd have to look at my, I'd have to look at my list. Cause I do keep a oh, list. Really? Um, Yeah. And there, there might be a graph on my website somewhere. I wonder what the can I guess what the top answer is? Uh, uh, of the first, you, yeah. Of the, there's a graph on my website of the first 100. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, of my, of my episodes of what the list of people were. But yeah, go ahead and guess. I'm gonna guess Mike Myers or Will Ferrell. No, uh, Will Ferrell is actually I believe number two. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Phil Hartman. Oh, Phil. Well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, because you're talking about comedy people. Yeah. Comedy nerds love Phil Martin. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I don't think anyone's ever said Jimmy Fallon. And I, 
thinking back at it, I'm kind of surprised because he was the star of the show after Will Ferrell left. He just comes across as so relatable, you know, I mean, uh, and I also <laughs> sometimes have a tendency to break on stage when I'm in the middle of a sketch that's getting a huge reaction. Okay. Um, so I can kind of relate to him on that level as well. Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about some of the, the weird things he does on tonight's show and like, but he is generally, you know, seems to be an affable, friendly, relatable person. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I really don't want to bring it up now that I said, but like the, one of the thoughts I talked about, like with him being so affable and stuff was, uh, there was a documentary about the Dana Carvey show. Yeah. Uh, on Hulu, which is a really good documentary. And in the documentary, they show a clip of Louis CK on the tonight show talking about Jimmy Fallon. Cause Jimmy Fallon actually auditioned for the Dana Carvey show. And like, he would have been like 2021. Uh-huh. And Louis CK talked about like the resentment of having this like pretty boy, handsome young guy coming in and none of them wanted him around because he was such a young, pretty boy, charming fellow. Like, yeah. Well, I imagine to some degree, um, especially like in the upper tiers of comedy or whatever, that that probably exists even still where like, you know, the real quote unquote real comedians probably are less likely to take your traditional pretty boys seriously, you know? Yeah. Like the old hat, like I forget what the actual phrase is, but like comedy isn't for the pretty. It is for the ugly. Like, yeah. Which doesn't make me feel great, but <laughs> no, well, <laughs> it, it, it applies to me. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean, Jimmy Fallon's not, the worst pick for sure. I totally understand it. Like his, you know, his best of DVD has, he's, he's done a ton of great stuff on the show. Yeah. So like, I'm not against it at all. I, you know, I enjoyed him so much on the celebrity jeopardy segments. Like yeah. his impersonation or impression. I always get those words backwards uh, of uh, his um, Dave Matthews and his Adam Sandler are both just so spot on. Yeah, because I think at the t- at, for a while there, he was always like the the other guest in a lot of those sketches. Yep. Like it was always Sean Connery and then Jimmy Fallon doing something weird and usually the host doing something weird. Yep. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't think anyone's said him yet. Who's your favorite? Hmm. Phil Hartman's mine. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Full comedy nerd. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> um, I just read right, actually so- the other day. Uh, sorry to cut you off. But uh, go for it. I've been uh, my wife and I are rewatching Futurama like from episode one. Sure. And we're up to like the fourth season, I think ish. But um, I read that originally Zap Brannigan was written for Phil Hartman. Yeah. And I did not know that. And that kind of blew my mind. And it's hard to imagine that character as Phil Hartman. But at the same time, I think uh, I don't know if that's Billy West doing Zap or I think it is. Yeah. But he's saying he's doing his Phil Hartman impression. Is he? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Or at least like he's trying to do a tribute to him. I could see as that character. Say that. And and Fry is named Philip because of Phil Hartman. Okay, so I guess Matt Groening is just a huge Phil Hartman fan. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. As he should be. As everyone should be. <laughs> I need to go back and watch some more of his stuff, actually. You do. I agree. <laughs> And after you watch a bunch of his stuff, there's a a, a really good 
biography that I always talk about of him called, uh, what is it? You might remember me. It's really sad. I'm not going to lie. Is it on uh, YouTube or Netflix? No, it's, it's a book. Oh, okay. I don't know why yeah. I assumed it was like a, a <laughs> that's the, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a good YouTube video documentary of him too, but like the fact that he, Oh, I mean, not to completely, but he was so insecure about his role in SNL. Like he didn't realize like he, um, if you go through his like history on SNL, he didn't have a character that recurred until like the second half of his run. Like everything else, he was just playing like random dads, like a lot of impressions and stuff, but he didn't really have anything that like, you know, in that era, you know, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey both had uh, major things like, oh, yeah. you know, Wayne's World, Church Lady and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Phil Hartman didn't like until like unfreze- Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer and that didn't show up until like 91. Right. I've always felt like spending one day in the writer's room for SNL would, I mean, it would make me a thousand times better sketch writing comedian because even though I know that they get a ton of hate, um, you know, those guys are some of the best sketch writers in the world. And I mean, it's gotta be yeah. just, you know, straight to the rules, get to the game, you know, heighten, heighten, heighten three beats and get out that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, I imagine that uh, Tuesday night where they do that all nighter of writing has to be, would be such a fun thing to be a fly on a wall for at least like, uh, and if I were rich enough, I would pay to, you know, I'll be like, Hey, I'll give $10,000 to charity. Just to let me just hang out here and just wander (laughs) around. That'd be awesome. All right. So back to you as we (laughs) verge into SNL too long. So you had mentioned that uh, you and your friend were making, pretty crude were, were you saying video or audio like as a teenager uh, it was video okay um so why why was that a thing that you wanted to do uh like why to be crude or why to make video why to make video i know why you're crude you're 12 years old <laughs> right like, right um well i don't know you know we always i guess thought we were funny uh we might probably weren't always right <laughs> but um <laughs> You know, we just enjoyed doing it. I mean, we had, we used to do impersonations. Like, there's a video of me impersonating Shaq. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, as a 12 year old skinny little white kid, I mean, it's you know, it was just, uh, I don't know. Uh, it was just something we really enjoyed doing. So it, it was just like, hey, we have a camera. Let's do this. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much, almost exactly. In fact, you mentioned audio. There was also a point in time where we would just record, I guess, in a sense, sort of like podcasts, where we would just like make up characters and we would just talk to each other as those characters for like thirty to forty-five minutes. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could get a hold uh, of dude, those. Th- I was about to say, th- does anything like this exist? Like we've. I've tried to dig them up. Um, the friend of ours who uh, had them, he went through some family stuff. Like, gotcha. Not long afterwards, and I think they kind of got lost in the in the shuffle. Boxes might have disappeared. Yeah, yeah that's that happens. Um, okay, so then, uh, do you, like so? What's your next step in doing comedy? Like, at what point do you like? Yeah, I want to pursue this as a full time like hobby, like as a full time thing. Um. 
that is a great question. <laughs> uh, I would say, so we are at the point now where we're getting a little bit more serious about it. Like we're, um, I mean, I don't know about as far as pursuing it as a full-time thing. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, the three of us have talked about, uh, you know, <laughs> making the move up to New York and going for it, but it's just sort of a pipe dream at this point. I mean, um, right now what, what we're focused on, like we've gotten to where we've got some, uh, mildly paying gigs and I want to keep working those until we can start getting paid a little bit more and, um, you know, develop a reputation in the area, um, and get to where we can kind of branch out a little bit. Uh, I mean, the big thing for me, uh, is I'm trying to like, we're trying to push the video thing a lot harder because it's so much, it's a tangible medium. It's something that, you know, anybody can watch. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, even if they never catch on, it's something where, uh, you know, we can look back at that in 20 years and say, Hey, we made this, we're proud of it. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Cause like putting stuff up on for, for stage is great and can be awesome, but it doesn't last. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, I might rail against like improv about like how temporary even that is. Yeah. But like just having like the only, um, evidence of you doing a sketch show might be like a possible poster or the, the scripts that you had not necessarily like how it went or like you might not have that full, like there's not like a, a, like a full record of that experience. Yeah. Um, you know, you could tape your live shows and everything, but it's, it's having something, you know, a fully produced video, I think is always the end game for sketch comedy to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'll tell you, you ask for like the dream or whatever the, the pie in the sky thing is like uh, to put together like some sort of sketch comedy variety hour sort of thing. That would be like the dream, you know, to to pitch some shitty little show. Can I cuss on this podcast? I don't, I don't care. We you're, sketch your sketch yeah, is you're full right. of it uh, to, to <laughs> pitch some like shitty little sketch comedy show to I mean, even some like amazon or something you know like that would be um even if i never made any money off of it you know we got six episodes or whatever i mean that would be the dream you know Mm. so that but then how does uh kamikaze get together uh like how or is kamikaze your first attempt at being a sketch comedian as an adult okay so how do you guys get together how do you guys decide to start putting stuff out there as a group. How did we initially form is what you're asking? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, my best friend Austin and I had talked for years and years about doing sketch comedy or even stand up. We, you know, we've talked about that. It really doesn't suit either of us, but, uh, and then one day, um, I, I had gotten into a relationship with Alex. This was probably two and a half years ago, something like that. Um, that well, I mean, we had been in a relationship for a while at this point, but finally we we were we talked and talked and talked until we were blue in the face. And one day we were at a bar, which is now shut down, a little shitty dive bar. And I was like, you know what? Let's come up with a name right now. 
And we sat there and played with names for a couple minutes, came up with the best thing we could, which was Kamikaze. <laughs> and uh, I registered the Gmail, like Kamikaze, right then. Do what? Okay, so yeah, my buddy Austin, that's my, my wife, Alex, in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Austin, his girlfriend, who is now his wife, um, she came up with Kamikaze is what Alex is saying. So she was also at the bar that night. And um, so like like I said, we registered the uh, Gmail right then and there. And uh, I guess we recorded our first video what, two or three weeks after that, which is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> like it's uh yeah I've considered taking it down off YouTube because it is uh, a little offensive. Hmm. Um. So it was legitimately like just friends hanging out. Let's get going. Let's try to do yep. this. That's exactly what okay. it was. And we've since then added two more members. And how do you meet them? So uh, we are all students of a local improv theater called the Push Comedy Theater. Uh, okay. It's run by a group called the Pushers. Um, they, the theater's been open for uh, four years and some change, but we started taking classes there R- right around when we decided to form Kamikaze. Like maybe we did Kamikaze videos for like two or three months, and we realized we were awful, and so uh, we decided that we were gonna start um, taking some classes to try to learn to be better. And you figure mm-hmm. out what you're good at, you figure out what you're not good at. Um, and along the way, we've met a lot of cool people. Like, honestly, <laughs> if we could, we'd add 10 or 15 other people to Kamikaze, but that's just not realistic, you know? But uh, first, we decided to add... Uh, we did the 48-hour film project last year. Um, okay. And we worked with uh, a whole group of people that were awesome, but uh, it was our first time working with uh, Trip Rumble and um, Patrick C. Taylor. And we basically had a lot of conversations leading up to that. And then after that, because we'd talked about adding people to Kamikaze and not too long afterwards, we decided to add them both at the same time. And so they've been in member for what, probably eight months or so. Nice. How do you find out about uh, push? Uh, the first time I ever heard about push, it was some guy that we knew actually at the same bar that we formed kamikaze uh that same guy uh or that the, there was a guy who was there who was talking to us about improv classes but then he like looked it up on his phone and was like oh god it's way too expensive i would never do that it's such a ripoff and then we never i never thought to ask how much it was and then uh a couple months later i heard about it and i looked it up and it was like 190 bucks and i'm like oh well that's not bad you know yeah, it might have been a huge amount for that yeah. person, but but uh, in context, and if you like look at other cities' improv classes, that's infinitely yeah. on the cheap side. No, I mean, I think now they charge two twenty, <laughs> but still, I mean, that's, yeah. which is still infinitely cheaper than. Yeah, and it's really cool because uh, uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of push comedy, um, but uh, they do something that I'm not sure how many comedy theaters do where basically they have five people who have formed uh who created the theater um formed a group called the pushers and they teach all the classes all the way up to improv 501 they were students at uh ucb and okay. um they basically came down they went to ucb in the early 2000s in fact uh you familiar with bobby moynihan 
So uh, Bobby Moynihan was, before he was famous, he was the teacher for two of them. Um, okay. And um, so anyways, uh, they went up there around that time frame. They came back here. Um, I think they, for a while, they were like trying to make it as like a traveling sketch comedy group, which, I mean, you know how difficult that is, I'm sure. Yeah. And finally, they they were teaching classes out of uh, out of this building called the Muse Writing Center, and uh, they had two students who uh, really, really believed in them, and they were retired and had a little bit of money that they could invest, and they chose to invest in push comedy, and they basically got together and decided to open the theater. Uh, yeah, oh, and nice. I mean they're great because I mean you get to work with. These really, really experienced, I mean, these guys have been doing improv for over 15 years and they, I mean, they don't just teach you and then leave it be like I can, I could give one of them a call right now and they would answer and help me talk to me, whatever, you know, it's great. That is great. Um, I was curious because, you know, I, I'm one of the producers of the festival and going through submissions, I, I would have never thought of like, and I'm always surprised uh, when I find out that there are comedy scenes in towns I don't expect yeah. there to be. And one of those towns is Norfolk, Virginia. Like, it actually has a pretty big comedy tell me, scene in this town. Yeah, so tell me about it. Like, I mean, I would I would assume at one hand, like, you're close. Like, I don't even think you are that close to D.C., but, like. You no, know, it's, so Norfolk, for whatever reason, um, there's a neighborhood in Norfolk called Ghent that is sort of like the arts district of the area. Um, they have this little like subdivision of it called the neon district um, where they have like murals and stuff on all the buildings. And um, I think that kind of grew like there, you know, you had a lot of art shows popping up and then uh, there is a comedy club in town, but it's uh, it's, it's the funny bone, which is more of a, like a national, like big. Yeah. Is that, the tours are going to come through the touring comics right. are going to go through there like and do their weekend. Of, but there yeah. wasn't really anywhere for local comics and there was no improv theater. Uh, the nearest one I think yeah. is in Richmond, which is about two hours away. Uh, so anyways, they've, they've been around, they started teaching classes. I want to say about eight years ago. And then uh, they formed the theater a little bit over four years ago. And um, I mean, honestly, I mean, I can't speak enough to, how great a job they've done of building. I mean, they've really built the improv community in this area to the point where there's actually groups who have broken off and started doing their own thing. Um, I mean, there are also, I mean, there's you, you guys got submissions from, I think four groups from our theater. I think so. Something um, like that, yeah. So, I mean, that just, I mean, and believe me when I say that those other groups are also very, very good, but is there, like, I don't know how, like, how big is the space, like the, the seating arrangement in Push? Uh, it is a 99-seat theater. Oh, okay. Uh, you say, oh, is that um, bigger or smaller than you expected? <laughs> it was bigger than I expected. I'm okay. not going to lie. I expected, like, a, like, a 60 or so. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's got a bar. Um, it's got a, a small stage. I mean, it's probably 15 feet across or so. Um, and maybe... I'm going to say 10 feet wide, but, uh, okay. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's cool, man. I mean, it really, it's like a second home to us. I mean, we spend a, an insane amount of time there. Nice. Um, 
yeah, it's just like I'm always curious about these little like and I know it's not a little town, but like like Norfolk's not like a major city. Like what I know, I, I know it's a coastal town. I know it's, I believe there's a naval, oh, there's a, a huge naval presence. We're pretty, yeah, like the East Coast. I know there's a minor league baseball team. There is, but I never would have expected like to for there to be a burgeoning comedy scene there. You know, uh, I'll tell you. So you should come check out the Norfolk Comedy Festival in September. I mean, it's a, uh, it's actually, a, you know, relatively. I mean, relative to how small the theater is, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big thing it's pretty cool i mean we had some really cool acts come through last year um i mean um, i would highly recommend you check it out if you're you know if you can get a weekend or whatever nice maybe i will i don't know possible <laughs> sorry i'll stop advertising <laughs> it's fine uh so tell, all right let's go back to kamikaze um as i just wax poetic about my confusion about norfolk <laughs> being a thing uh <laughs> Describe kamikaze to me. Describe like a, what a kamikaze show would be. Okay, so um, especially since most of the people that are listening to this probably have either seen every kamikaze show or have never seen a kamikaze show. There's like, no in between. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. So we like to describe ourselves as sort of a what's the term we use? Like the the puppy of the of the push comedy theater because we're we're lovable, but we're also sort of rambunctious. Uh, like we, we try to, we write about some, we write about a, a pretty wide ranging, I mean, we don't have a, a, a niche, so to speak. Like we don't have a, a target audience. We kind of just write what we like. Um, so there's a lot of fantastical, ridiculous sketches. There's always some sort of political sketches. Like we wrote, a, we had one at our last show. That was, um, it's called Thoughts and Prayers. Uh, actually, I, I don't want to spoil too much because we might do that at Philly. But, uh, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's a mixture. I mean, we we do touch sometimes on some sort of incendiary topics, but we try to always do it with, uh, we're, we're well-intentioned, you know. We're not here to hurt anybody or kick anybody while they're down, you know. So we, okay. we uh, like I said, uh, I think the the puppy is a is a good metaphor because we're sort of lovable, but we're also uh, a little rambunctious. We'll tear your floor up a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, so you're currently was it four guys, two females? Uh, so we currently officially have four guys and one girl in the group. Um, but okay. uh, there are two other uh, women who are writing with us, but they're affiliated with other groups, so we haven't like you know officially added them. But we you know we try to mix it up because we want to have uh you know different perspectives we don't want to just i mean how many groups in comedy is just a group of white dudes writing you know uh um yeah a lot so we try to we try to not be that you know we try to um at least get different perspectives i mean we have a lot of guest performers at our shows and stuff so okay so there is like a, a bit of a rotation yeah even to the, the, the process. And part of that is um, we've only been doing live shows as Kamikaze. Um, so uh, not to jump back too much, but we formed in 2017 and then we kind of took a little bit of a break from Kamikaze. Like if you look at our YouTube videos, we didn't put anything out for like over a year. And that was the time when we were taking all our improv classes and learning how to do comedy. Sure. Okay. And then we yeah. came back that makes sense. Uh, midway through last year. Um, and uh, 
that's when um, we started doing live shows. So anyways, we've only done, I'd say four or five live shows since then. Um, uh, but so we're still kind of, I think in some ways figuring out, you know, who we like working with, who we don't, that kind of thing. Uh, okay. So, I mean, other than the idea that you guys have a home base after going through the courses at, at push, what is the, um, well, for lack of a better word, the push to go live <laughs> instead of doing video sketches, um, for, uh, for at least, you know, for, to start that time. So I try to, I try to think big picture, um, with, uh, with my approach to kamikaze, uh, and so I, the reason we started pushing to do live stuff was because, um, I think that there's sort of like, there's like a different levels of how to expand as comedians, I think. And so when you're just putting stuff on YouTube and just your friends are watching it, you're really going nowhere. Um, so you start doing some live shows, you try to, you know, I think we've got like 500 and something likes on Facebook. Um, you know, we're trying to build that, get more YouTube subscribers. And when you do live shows, you get opportunities to meet people who enjoy your stuff. They see that they enjoy your stuff. And then you can say, hey, you know, give us a like on Facebook. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to get better. We're trying to grow. And I, to me, it's, um, you know, one hand, was it one hand washes the other or whatever? Uh, you know, mm-hmm getting better at live performances helps feed the YouTube channel and vice versa. Um, yeah. As much as there's, you know, social media and social marketing on the internet, there is still something to say about like actual networking and talking to real life people like face to face. And you know, that's something that I think we're all good at. Like all five of us are really friendly. We like to talk to people. Um, so I mean, any opportunity we can have to, you know, if you just go up to somebody out of the blue and say, Hey, watch my YouTube video, they're not going to do it. But if you, you know, you put on a show and like our last show, we did 18 sketches. If they come up and say, what? yeah, we, <laughs> that's something that's actually, you ask what's weird about our group. That's what's weird about our group is we, uh, we're like incredibly strict about our writing. Like everything is tight, 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 cut, 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 cut. So like you, you mentioned 18 sketches and how much time? Uh, what did we get? 50, 50 minutes of stage time? 54. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we try to, I think our longest sketch was like four to five minutes. Um, I mean, we're really, okay. That's something I'm, I'm, I'm all yeah. about. I mean, like for, we're, I think we're getting 25 minutes at Philly sketch fest or 20. Um, Something like I that. Mean, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to plan to do five or six sketches in that time. Okay. Um. So, like, I mean, you go. Th- I'm, I'm assuming you go through the improv curriculum. That was there a sketch curriculum. There at is. Push? Uh, unfortunately, I have not taken it yet because it hasn't okay. uh, coincided with my uh, my availability. Yeah. Um. So, is there any trepidation to start going live? Uh even after all the improv classes with comic a little bit because um you know so (laughs) the first year and a half that we were at the theater you know that's all we really would talk about you know like oh you got to check out kamikaze you know we're really excited we're going to bring it to the theater soon and 
And so when we finally did, you know, there was a lot of nervousness. Um, they have a sketch competition once a month called Sketchmageddon. Uh, okay. Three teams enter and one team wins and that team gets to perform again next month. So the first time that we performed as Kamikaze was at a Sketchmageddon. And so it's like we've talked about this for the last year and a half. We're going to look really stupid if we don't go out here and kill it. You know? Yeah. Having your first show after some time of being like a video product, like as a video group and like just being together for a while, having your first show be a competition show like that doesn't sound like a great idea to me. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Well, you know, that's so some backstory for that. We've, so we were a part of probably three or four different groups in that interim time frame where we were working on sketch and trying to figure out how to get better at sketch. We kind of treated that as like okay. the, the, the battlegrounds where we could learn how to get good. That way, when we reformed as kamikaze, we would be really good. Uh, so we I had, okay. um, like Austin and I had competed on three or four different winning sketch teams. Like we, performed in i want to say 10 out of 12 sketchmageddon's and we won seven or eight of them so we were pretty comfortable with that format you know and a lot of teams when they approach that they'll say okay we've got 15 minutes let's take two or three good sketches and try to stretch them out uh you know we were writing i think on average seven sketches and just figuring out how can we cut this down get to the beats faster to get our sketches in um yeah uh again that that idea of we have two or three good sketches let's stretch them out sound is awful to me that sounds like the worst advice well it works for some groups you know like uh there's one group that i have a lot of respect for um they're called the bright side and um they're i mean they're super super talented guys and girls i should say uh and uh you know, they leave room intentionally in their sketches to play with them because they have two uh, incredibly talented, like very busy improvisers on that team. So sometimes they'll be in the middle of a sketch and this guy named Matt will just start riffing and he'll just go and go and go, you know, so they kind of build their sketches that way and it works for them. Yeah. It's just all about, uh, I mean, for us, you know, uh, as, as cheesy as it sounds like we try to approach it with sort of a business mentality where it's like, you know, we don't want to waste a single line. I mean, we'll seriously rework one individual line and figure out, can we get this line shorter? You know? Yeah. It's that weird thing of the writers of like, does this word pop like this word does? Yep. does like, do you need this? Do you need this prop, prep, proposition preposition? Yeah. Luckily our first show, we sort of knocked it out of the park. Like we ended up winning sketch again that night. Um, and uh, we had a couple like really, really good sketches that night that we um... one thing we do, by the way, that's sort of infuriating, but I think it helps us get better is we don't reperform sketches uh, like the Philly Sketch Fest will be our first time reperforming sketches for a show. And it's just because it's an all new audience. Uh, that's interesting. So each show we do like so we have it set up for the rest of this year where we have a show every other month at Push Comedy. Okay. And we're going to do an an hour and a half or whatever it is of new material for each show. Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, I, I appreciate the, uh, 
I appreciate the idea of it, but that just sounds like a ter- like. <laughs> well, I, I, I would sprinkle in a couple old ones every once in a while. We probably will eventually start doing that. Um, the thing is, we're trying to grow uh, an audience, and it's hard to convince your friends to keep coming back to your shows. Oh, that's for sure. You know, if it's if it's all the same stuff. Oh yeah, there, there's certain people in Philadelphia that I love dearly, but I'm tired. Like, if I see that sketch one more time, I'm gonna flip out. Right, right. I, I feel the same way about some groups. Like, there's a there's a group that we have at Push who I've seen them do the same sketch at every single show I've ever <laughs> been to, and it's a good sketch, but it's like eight minutes long, and it's you know it's after like, the third or fourth time, we're done. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's very funny. You know, it's just like I don't want to go see that sketch ever again. <laughs> Yeah, put it on video now, and so we can just move on with our lives. Right. Oh, wh- one thing that's cool, actually, you mentioned that um, I've because I've been trying to get better at doing video stuff. Uh, some of the other sketch groups at the theater have actually started to ask us to uh, to film sketches for them, which is really cool because that helps us get more experience. Absolutely, yeah. Like if you look on our uh, YouTube page. Um, there's a video up there that's, it's, uh, it says like a CPT production. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a group at the theater called CPT and, uh, they literally approached us and said, Hey, we want to do this sketch, you know, and we know you guys know how to film it. So can you help us film this? And it's really nice. So, uh, am I missing anything else from your comedy career at this point? Uh, I mean, you mentioned doing improv, going through the improv system. You mentioned doing sketch, sketch getting, Sketch Maggette, yeah. Sketch Maggette. I couldn't remember if the M was in there or not. Um, you know, mult, like a lot of times in that year that it started, like, which is, you know, again, crazy and awesome to me. Like, there's certain shows here in Philadelphia that I would do every month if I, if, you know, my schedule would allow. Um, but, like, is there anything else that we're missing that? Uh, well, um, I mean, I. You know, not to, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but, you know, we've actually, our group, Kamikaze, I'm, I'm trying to strictly talk to you about Kamikaze stuff because, like, our group, we've participated in so much other stuff. Like, they do this thing at the push every Halloween called the 666 Project. It's a very, very cool thing. Uh, it's where they have six actors, six directors, and six plays. And uh, those, it's like six one act plays. And, for six nights, they perform all six, and they're like horror comedy themed. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, our group's been involved in that. Like, uh, two of us performed in it last year. I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure. Hopefully, fingers crossed. My wife's gonna be in it this year. You know, like it's a. Uh, you know, we've done. They have another competition called Improvageddon. It's like the sister show to Sketchmageddon. Sure. Uh, we've competed in that. Like we did this team earlier this year called Bill and Ted's Improv Adventure, where it was uh, it was a new form we had created uh, that we were playing with. It was like time travel improv, um, where basically we would, uh, you know, and for our scene edits, we would get a suggestion from the audience or pull a suggestion out of a hat, and we would time travel to 1940s, you know, Nazi Germany. And suddenly we're okay and things like that um so so you're saying kamikaze also does improv together well so we haven't yes we have or has done the five of us have done improv together but never under the name kamikaze okay um, so we've considered um bringing kamikaze to the sort of the improv arena 
In fact, uh, one of the pushers has, uh, he's talked to me a, a good bit where he thinks it might be good for our shows. If we like ended with a little bit of improv, um, for now, I think, you know, our strength is sketch comedy. And I think that that's what we're trying to stick to. I don't, you know, that's, that's what makes our group cohesive is that we're all really diligent about our sketch comedy. And, um, I kind of want to keep it that way. Okay. Uh, is improv part of your writing process? Yeah. In the group? I mean, um, definitely. I mean, all of us do improv, um, and it's, it's hard to not, you know, you know, I never want to take an improv scene and make that into a sketch, but you know, if I do a, a sketch about, you know, uh, if I do a redneck character, who's really intelligent, um, then it's hard for me to not think, Oh, well, wh- what else would this character do? And then try to write a sketch based on that. Um, so, right. you know, I think that they do sort of coincide. And honestly, when we write a sketch and then we do our first read through, there's definitely some improvising going on, you know, when we first start reading through the sketches. So, um, sure. it, it, you know, it plays in. Okay. Uh, so as we're wrapping up here, um, I, my last two questions are always the same. Okay. Uh, I try to go for a little bit of like, to be a little profound at the end. Uh, so, uh, you've been doing comedy for a couple of years now. You've been part of this group and you and Austin as friends have been doing comedy together, you know, at worst to entertain each other for a while. Yeah. Uh, is there something from comedy that you would pass on to someone that's new to the game? Uh, about how to do comedy. You mean, uh, either. Yeah. Either something about, you know, just a trick of the trade or something that comedy has taught you about life in general, even if, you want to go that deep um well as cheesy as it sounds uh i would definitely say i've learned to um not take things too seriously like not get too wrapped around the axle because um and and also you know actually probably the biggest thing is you know you have expectations when you meet someone uh of who they are and it's so not true i mean there's this guy at push. His name's Brian. He's, he's just an awesome guy. Uh, if you met him, I mean, he would just seem like your generic dad, you know, sort of character. And I mean, he goes on stage and he is just like, he said this to me one day. He said, when people at work give me a hard time, I think to myself, like, cause they make fun of him, I guess sometimes cause he does comedy. They poke fun at him. And he thinks to himself, you guys don't fucking know. I go out on stage every weekend and I kill it. And you guys have no idea. And it makes him feel like a superhero. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's, it's the, it's the truth. I mean, when somebody at work gives me a hard time, uh, you know, Oh, this guy does comedy. He's not even that funny. I'm like, you guys don't know, man. I I performed to a sold out crowd last weekend and we fucking killed it. We murdered, you know, and it makes me feel like I have a, a sort of a power, you know? Yeah. There's a huge difference between performing on stage for a crowd and being your little monkey boy at work. Yeah. Like, oh yeah trying to make you laugh like and whenever someone talks about comedy like whenever comedy comes up for me at work it's all like it always goes poorly because like i had some dude like i work in retail like as like and during a remodel some dude showed me like this really awful racist thing like he's like hey, that's funny as i was like no it's not like yeah that's hateful and gross and he just like stared at me. He's like, I thought you were a comedy guy. I was like, I am. That's not comedy. Like, oh, you know, can I, can I take a, a quick, quick segue? I know you said we're wrapping up. 
but nothing irks me more than this whole thing about like, Oh, you know, you, you can't do comedy anymore. Cause everybody's so PC. Like that is such bullshit. It is such bullshit. And it irritates me to no end because, um, like we touch on controversial topics all the time in our, in our comedy. We have never had somebody come up to us and complain or anything because to me, it's all about intent. Intent matters and it shines through your sketches. If your intent is to shit on somebody or like, you know, if your intent is to be racist, if your intent is to be sexist or homophobic, people are going to see that. But if your intent is to sort of, you know, is, is to sort of, make fun of a racist or like show that a racist is an idiot, you know, that's okay. You know, you can talk about those sort of topics and it's not inherently offensive. It's people can see what your intent is when you write a sketch like that. I I believe. Yeah. But the idea of like, what's the target? Like if you're making fun of a racist, that's fine. If you're being a racist, that's not fine. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then finally, um, why comedy? Why is comedy like you like uh, you have another life, a full time job? I'm 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 yeah. sure. Uh, why is comedy how you spend the rest of your time, or a good chunk of the, your free time? Um, I would say this does not apply to stand up comedy, obviously, but uh, the camaraderie of it is is amazing. Um. I mean, you bond with people in a very specific, cool way when you write with them and perform with them. Like, I'm sure you can relate to this when you walk off stage and you know, you just killed it out there and you're just all high fiving in the dressing room. You know, I mean, there's no feeling like it in the world. Um, it's, it's the coolest thing. I mean, I, I love it. I get to hang out with my wife who I'm crazy in love with and, I, and my best friend who I hate sometimes, but I love most of the time. And, you know, it's just, it's incredible. You get to spend time with people you love doing something you love and people cheer for you for it. It's great. Yeah, it is. It really is. All right. Thanks, Casey. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, man. If you're in the Norfolk, Virginia area, you can see Casey and the rest of Kamikaze as they present Endgame, the last sketch comedy show ever, at the Push Comedy Theater on Friday, May 24th at 10 p.m. Then, here in Philadelphia, Kamikaze is coming to Philly Sketch Fest on Thursday, May 30th in the 830 block along with Thought Bubble, hey, that's me, and Jack O'Keefe's Acting Real Live. Check out Kamikaze on Facebook at facebook.com slash kamikaze69. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. And rest easy, Tim Conway.